Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Psalm 139, and it's verse, uh, uh, what is it, 13, 14, and 15. So you can, and I think of this, I think of, you know, I, 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 I've been in 56 countries, so I preach the gospel all over the world. And something I find with Christians is you have a tendency in your own life to condemn yourself, to put yourself down, to tell yourself you're no good, to give those thoughts to yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. And we, we do that. We do that. But this is what the Bible says that God thinks of you. So I want you to begin to say, I want to have God's thoughts and not my own thoughts about me. So this is God's thoughts toward you in Psalm 139. He says, for you formed my inward parts, you wove me uh, in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderful made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. And then verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. So if you think about it, every day, God's thoughts toward you are precious. He's, he thinks wonderful things about you. You're the greatest thing that he made. Everything he made in all creation, you are the peak of his creation. And he loves you. He died for you on the cross. And he says, I'm thinking about you today. Precious thoughts, wonderful thoughts, beautiful thoughts. You are the apple of my eye. You are beautiful to me. I love you. I care for you. And yet in our own minds, we go, I'm not good enough. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm not tall enough. I'm too short. I can't speak well. You know, I messed up on this test. I, I did this wrong. And we do that to ourselves. But I want to encourage you guys to say to yourself, wait a minute. God's thoughts toward me are precious. So I'm going to start thinking good things about myself. Is that good to hear? Is that good to hear? How many would like to do that? Begin to think those precious thoughts. You know, we need to do that because then we have fresh courage. You have fresh anointing. I was telling the young people, I was in Liberia one time, and I went to this uh, village that was controlled by a witch doctor, and he was just the worst person. The things he did to the girls was just horrendous. I don't want to talk about all the horrible things he did, but he, he owned those people, 650 of them. He controlled them. The children every night would have dreams of him with a machete trying to cut them to pieces, and they, they feared him so bad. But then one day, we went into that village, and we brought with us Jesus Christ and the angels of God and the kingdom of God. We began to proclaim to that village the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a problem. They all had ropes around their necks, ropes around their wrists, ropes around their waist, ropes around their, their ankles. And these ropes had human bones in the ropes. And the witch doctor would give them that to protect them. And he said, if you take these off, you'll die. You'll die. And so I remember, I said, do you guys want to accept Jesus? And they said, yes. I said, good, but you got to take the ropes off because you can't serve the witch doctor and you can't serve Jesus at the same time. And I remember the oldest man, and in Liberia, they don't live that long. And so if you're like 45, 50, they call you the old man because you're the oldest one. And I remember the old man cut his ropes. He cut them all. And after he cut the ropes, they, it was like, you know, was it Paul who got bit by the snake and they wait for him to die? It was just like that. They were like, okay, when's he gonna drop down dead, you know? And all of a sudden he goes like this. 
Hallelujah. And he begins to worship God. And he prophesies. He, he says, this village will come to Christ. You will know him. You will know him. You know, and it was, it was amazing. So then uh, they began to cut the ropes. One by one, they began to cut the ropes. In the midst of this, the witch doctor charges at me. A hundred miles an hour, he's just running right at me. He's going to kill me. And God strikes him down. Like right here, he strikes him down. He doesn't die. He just struck down on his face. He just collapses right here. And he begins to, he begins to uh, call out to me for mercy. And I say, it's not me that needs to give you mercy. It's the people of the village. Look what you've done to them. They are going to become followers of Jesus today. And he said, they will never become followers of Jesus. I said, today's the day. You watch. By the end of the day, 650 villagers had cut the ropes. You know, had cut the ropes. And uh, there's a strong church. It's a funny name to the church in case anyone wants to go there. It's called Smell No Taste. That's the name of it because uh, uh, the people could cook the food for the military that was there, but they weren't allowed to eat it. So they called it Smell No Taste. That was the name, that was the name of the village. But now it's a Christian village of followers of Jesus Christ. So as we walk with the Lord, as we walk, we can, we can see these strongholds broken and we can see God do amazing things that we could never expect. But we gotta walk in holiness. We gotta know who we are in Christ. We gotta move forward in the Lord. We can't like play with sin and mess around with sin. We gotta say, I wanna be a holy, like when, I'll tell you what, when you have a witch doctor coming at you, you better not have any doubts. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you better say, man, you, Lord, uh, I, you don't have time to repent. You better have repented ahead of time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, yesterday, Rita was uh, down at K&A, and she was going door to door. Where's Rita at? Raise your hand, Rita. Where are you at? Oh, she's right here. She's at K&A, and she went into a house, and the woman was demon-possessed. And she began to pray for her and talk to her and minister to her. She also couldn't walk. She hadn't walked in months. Uh, and they, on television, the TV crew was there from Jesus Week, and they recorded her casting out the demons. And yesterday, that woman walked for the first time in months. She went up a flight of stairs just yesterday. Just yesterday. So you better know you're, you're right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound good to you guys? I got another scripture, Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. You probably know that one. I became a Christian in college, and then I became the head of InterVarsity on my campus. And one thing was driving me crazy. All my students were going to all these uh, counselors at the school, and the counselors were telling them what to do with their lives. And, and none of it was, I want you to be a missionary, I want you to be a pastor, I want you to be a church leader. None of the counselors were saying that. They were saying, oh, you just need more education, more education, more education. But you know, Harvard, you know, I was in Boston. Harvard is doing all it can to destroy Christian, Christian students. I mean, that's just the truth. I can't even tell you how many students we prayed with that everything they're doing, is, everything they're saying is trying to destroy their Christianity. Something like four out of five young people who go into college today lose their faith within the time they're done with school. That's the, college that, that's the colleges we're sending these young people to. So we really got to think about this. But in Psalm 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And so we got to watch, like for you, for example, what's a win for you? Like, what is your goal in life? What are you doing with your life? What do you do every day when you get up? I like to look at the scriptures and say, what does the Bible tell me to do? 
what should, what should my future be according to scripture? And last year I was here and I'd share with you that the first command that Jesus gave was to come and follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And that was the call. And then Mark 16, 15. And we have 3.2 billion people on planet earth that have never heard the gospel one time. Not one time. And we're saying, well, I just need to do this. Or, but I don't know if it's an option. I don't know if we should make it an option. I think we should say, I need to figure out how I can be used by God to bring the, to the gospel to as many people as I can. Because that's what Jesus wants. If you agree with me, can you clap? That's good to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad you agree with me. I'm glad you agree with me. And I was reading in the scripture to this morning where it says, I have entrusted you with the gospel. I've given the gospel to you. It's your job to spread my gospel all over the place. And, and, and we look at it, we say, should I share my faith with people? Yes, you should. It should not even be something. And, you know, and we just think, it's okay to be a Muslim. It's okay to be a Muslim. They're, they're fine. I, I was talking to a Muslim girl the other day. She says, all the religions are, are the same. They're all identical. So I wrote a track on Islam. And just let me tell you quickly a couple of the facts about Islam. Uh, that are, they're in their Quran. I have a Quran over my office. I bought it on Germantown Avenue about two weeks ago. So here's some facts about the Quran that you probably don't know. A woman's testimony counts for half of a man's testimony, according to Islam. Slave girls are the sexual property of their male owners, even if they're already married. A man may be polygamous with up to four wives. Mature men are allowed to have sex with girls before they have their period. A husband may simply get rid of his undesirable wife. If a husband suspects insubordination in his wife, he is encouraged to beat her. So do any of the women want to become Muslims today? Let me ask you. Yeah, no? Does anybody? So this is what it says. And then he goes on to say, I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off their fingertips of them. Sora 8.12. That's chapter 8, verse 12. The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messengers and strive to make mischief in the land is only this, that they should be murdered or crucified or their hands and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides or they should be in prison. This shall be a disgrace for them in this world. And in the hereafter, they shall have a grievous chastisement. Sora 533. So people say this is a peaceful religion. It's not a peaceful religion. It's not at all. If, is, this is what the Quran says. This is the commandments of the Quran. So I said, so when we were witnessing all these people who were Muslims in this city this week, I shared these verses with them. I said, do you know these verses? And you know what, they didn't know them. They didn't know these verses. They didn't know in their own Quran what it says. And they weren't, they weren't aware of that. And so I was reading Psalm 149 uh, the other day, and it says, I will bless those who are tormented with salvation. And that's what happens in Philadelphia. We need to see people blessed with salvation. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, we need to bless them with salvation. And God is giving you that wonderful job. And you know, you think of the way our society is today, how things are just collapsing around us. And, 
and we're just like, what are we going to do? You know, uh, homosexuality is being accepted in so many churches across America. I just retired from the Billy Graham organization as of June 1st of this year to give myself more to Philadelphia and to give myself more to this work. And because I love you, I love you guys so much and so many of the churches in the city. So I retired as a, as a worker for Billy Graham to give myself to, to, uh, more and more to it. But when we look at it, when I worked with so many Methodists, for example, half the Methodists are accepting homosexuality. Most of the Mennonites are accepting homosexuality. So many of the, uh, there's, I don't know if you understand, there's a huge divide going on in the country right now of whole denominations just splintering like crazy. And more and more of the enemies, and there was a guy in, in recent, and back back in the day, there was this there was this guy who lived in, around Rome. He didn't live in Rome, but he near, he lived near Rome. His name was Telemachus. And this guy saw the wickedness that was going on in Rome. How they were had the big place where they were coming and they were killing Christians. They were destroying people. They had animals eating the Christians in front of the people. All these horrible things are happening. Rome was out of control. It was the most ungodly place in the history. And Telemachus, he's out here worshiping God, serving God. And one day he just walks into the Colosseum and he sees what's happening. This man, and now he's a monk. He's been, he's been loving God and loving the Lord all his life. And he walks in, he says, oh my goodness, what has happened to society? What has happened? And on the field, they were killing the Christians. They were doing all these terrible things. And the, the, the leader of Rome, he was putting his thumb down. And that means go ahead, go ahead and kill them again and again. And Telemachus does something that's never been done. He goes out into the Colosseum. He stands right in the middle I'm just thinking about the courage of this man to go out there. And he's got his monk outfit on. He raises his hand up and he shouts out, stop this. In the name of God, in the name of Jesus, why are you doing this to each other? God does not want this. He loves these people. He loves you. Why are you putting your thumbs down to a fellow human being? Why would you accept such a thing? And so uh, the head of Rome, he puts his thumb down and they put a sword in his side, and he stands there, and, and as he's dying, he shouts, stop it, just stop it, in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. Do you know that that's the last day that they killed Christians in that Colosseum? That they never did it again. You can make a difference, brothers and sisters. You gotta stand up and you gotta say, stop it. Would you agree? All of you, you gotta say, stop it, it's enough. Do you know the average homosexual lives 25 years rest than the rest of society? Do you know that almost every homosexual has sexually transmitted diseases, something like 99 and 9 tenths percent? Do you know they have psychological damage 500% higher than the rest of society? Suicide is 700 times higher than the rest of society? This is how they are, and yet we think we can just accept it and say it's okay. But brothers and sisters, take courage, brothers and sisters. Take courage. Can you guys take courage? You gotta stand up, you gotta speak up. Take courage for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and be courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Don't think you're defeated, you're not defeated. You have Jesus Christ on your side. You have the angels of God on your side. You can do greater things than you can ever imagine. Amen?
We had a team, they were down Germantown Avenue about a week ago, we were down there, um, and we were ministering, um, I don't remember the name of the park, but it was way down Germantown, pretty far down, and we were in this park, and we were going door to door, and Abby, uh, and a, who was with Abby? The students were with Abby for that healing that we saw. Raise your hand up. Can you show me your hand? I know one of you two. Am I look, I'm looking. I don't see you. I know there was two of them with her. Uh, I was just across the street, but this guy's walking. He's deaf. He's got hearing aid, and he could just barely hear. And Abby gives the gospel to him. He listens to the gospel. And after he hears the gospel, she said, can I pray for you to be healed? He goes, yeah. So she prays. And, he, and she says, can you hear? He goes, oh, I can just barely hear. So she prays again. I can hear a little better. She prays a third time. He says, takes off his hearing aid. She steps back about eight feet and she goes, can you hear me? He goes, I can hear you. I can hear everything you're saying. Totally healed. We have that on video too. These things I'm talking about, we have these on video. We videotape both of those healings, uh, her and then uh, Abby. And so God is doing great things in Philadelphia. And I remember yesterday you said, uh, Rita, when you were down there, you said you felt like God was telling you, he is here. He is in our midst. He is with us in power and in might. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost is in us in power and might. And so, so we think about these things. Now, these young people are among you right now. And I'm going to have them all stand up right now. Stand up, young people. Stand up. And I asked them if they could do something for the next few minutes. And somebody's going to go and they're going to be on the TV. Uh, and we're going to spend a few minutes with they're going to try to come to you. And I'm going to say, here's what God did in my life and through my life during Joshua Generation this year. So can you guys just be friendly to them when they come and smile? <laughs> okay, go ahead, JG. Go ahead. Try to talk to as many people as you can. Hello, my name is Yasmin. I'm here to share my testimony with you guys of what God is doing here in my life. Um, I'm from Italy and God said uh, to me and my mom and my brother to go to the JG and uh, um, God has prepared everything for us in these, um, in these weeks. Uh, he has prepared everything because nothing is impossible to God and yeah in these uh, two weeks God has spoken to me a lot and I'm, uh, the intimacy of God is growing and our relationship is growing too and he uh, he's also speaking to me of uh, what he, he he wants to do in uh, my life in the future of missions and yeah and I want also to share you guys a testimony of what God uh, has done uh, in the outreach uh, week we uh, my team went to uh, the Bronx in uh, New York and uh, um, uh, the, uh, a couple of days ago, um, uh, I met this uh, lady and she had uh, pain in her shoulders and in her knee. And then I asked for her if she wanted to be healed. And at the beginning, I was like, um, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I'm capable, but uh, God gave me faith. And then I prayed for her and she was completely healed. And yeah, uh, uh, you guys also um, can do this uh, and pray for God and he will 
uh, seek for God and he will respond to you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I want to talk about um, my experience in JG. And throughout the outreach, I had a lot of times where my body was like really physically tired. But honestly, inside I had this big joy God gave me, and I really enjoyed being in the outreach and I get to serve people and the people that I talk to I don't think it's a coincidence and I think that God had a purpose and that every person that I talked to was so valuable and also I just got to learn a lot of stuff and one of those stuff is that I honestly got to find God every time I had a hard time but I got to realize is I don't find him whenever I need him, but I have to like walk with him wherever I go and just believe and have faith that he's always with me and he has been and he's working even now. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jaden and um, something that God really did through me during JG, he freed me from any type of um, like stuff that I had in my heart that I really didn't even know that I had and he even gave me the courage because I used to be like really shy um, even though it didn't really seem like it I was and I was scared but they even told me how to evangelize and go to different people and it gave me the courage to even go out and just kind of spread his gospel and something that happened during the week of evangelism I was talking to a lady with a few other members and they like once we started sharing the wordless book that we have here, she just started crying and she was like, I was searching for this and I've always wanted to go back to God, but I always had this like envy for the church. So we kind of shared Jesus with her and she told us her story about her son and everything and what's going on. And we gave her a Bible, we gave her a devotional and everything, and she's starting to really seek God. And she wants to share it with her son and go back to church and everything, which made me happy because Jesus loves everyone, and she really wanted to search for him again. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, can everybody stand up? The whole church, can you all stand up? Hurry up, come on, stand up. There you go. Y'all standing up? Okay, now I got a job for you. Can you hug two people and tell them Christ loves you? Your job is to hug two people right now. We're good, we're good. Everything's fine. Of course you can. Okay, you're going over the hug limit now. I'm noticing you're hugging four or five people. What's going on here? I just had... Um, can you sit down now? <laughs> I know all of you, I know all of you 
have young people in your life that you have a burden for. It might be your nephew, your son, your daughter, your grandchildren, somebody in your family, somebody in this church, somebody who used to come to this church. And I just want to tell you, this is the moment for a move of God among this generation, and God is doing something beyond what we could have imagined. We can get kind of weary of all the negative things, but I have seen the Lord move in them. They are the boldest, the bravest, the most radical, the most Jesus-like. And so we have to call back those young people that are on the edge. I have 16 grandkids, and I just, like, chase them. I go after them. <clears throat> I wrote a book, and I did the whole forward for them, and I said, this is for you. I hope you cry when you read it. And they said, we were all bawling our eyes out. I went, well, good, because you have to know we're not going to let you go. We're not content with your falling away. We're not content with your being hard in your heart. We're going to go hard after you. And uh, the young people that come every summer, I'm telling you, every year I go, I'm not doing this again. It's just so exhausting. But the reason we keep doing this is because we see the transformation that happens when people encounter the Lord, when they have a real relationship with him, when they know he cares about them, when it becomes more than like a church experience, when it becomes their experience. And they get good friends. And they get people who are going to support them, not drag them down. And then some of them, most of them, for the first time in their life, they see God speak to them and use them to touch another life. That empowers them. It gives them the courage and the faith to say, it's no accident I've been dropped in this moment, in this time in history. The craziest time we've ever seen in all of history, guys. You know it. People my age, we know, we go, I can't even imagine the world we're living in. But God has crafted this moment to bring the gospel, to bring transformation, to bring a change in the city, and he's going to use these young people. So I'm not letting them go. you got to go after them. Amen. That's why I married her. <laughs> she did. She proposed to me, but uh, smartest thing I ever did besides Jesus was say yes to that. That's for sure. Amen to that. So uh, in, in, in Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to do what? Seek and save that which was lost. And that's what we did this week. That's what I do with my whole life. I go around the world, and I'm seeking after people. And, you know, I was, I was doing like a youth program um, a, a while ago, and, and I said to the youth, one of the guys was leading the kids in some songs, and they were like 12 years old to 15, no, 8 to, eight to, eight to 12, that's what they were, 8 to 12, and he started singing a song, Father Abraham, you guys know that song, right? And, and, uh, and so I was watching the kids sing it, and I had like 90 kids there, and they were from the streets, and I said to them, who's Father Abraham? And there was a 15-year-old who had snuck in, and so they all looked at the 15-year-old. They said, who is, she goes, the 15th president of the United States, you know? <laughs> and I said to myself, they don't know who Father Abraham is. And so then when I'm down in the city, 
I say to young people in the city, because I, like I said, we were with all these city programs this week. I said, how many of you have ever seen somebody shot? Every kid puts their hand up. How many think you're going to get shot? Every hand goes up. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know the gospel. You know, when we told them this week the gospel, they weren't like, yeah, we know this. No, none of them knew it. They're like, we never heard this before. This is new to us. Nobody's told us. They don't know the stories of Genesis. They don't know the stories of Moses. They don't know the stories of Jesus coming and dying for them. And so what we have to do is seek and save the lost. We've got to find them and go to them and reach them. And uh, it takes effort. It takes you looking at your schedule, your personal schedule, and say, I am going to change my personal schedule to include evangelism. Uh, would you guys be willing to do that? You know? You know? Okay. Besides the 10 people that raised, that shook, that did that, uh, would the rest of you be willing to change your schedule so you can include the preaching of the gospel? Say yes or no. I want to hear it again. Yes or no? All right. So you've got to look at your personal schedule. I get up in the morning. I want to spend time with Jesus. And then, Lord, how can you use me? Who can I go and talk to? What can I do? You know, we were just driving by Ontario and 15th. And I saw like a whole schoolyard of kids two days ago. I said, oh, man, it's a whole schoolyard of kids. Let's go. And so I called Samuel. He's on my team. And I said, Sammy, go see if they'll let us do a show for them. We're we'll do a hip hop dance and stream. And can the can the drama team come up now? We're going to do a drama up here on the platform for you. In the, and and so they go to the lady, and she goes, "Yes, my young people need it. They need to hear it." So then we did the drama for them, and then I gave an altar call. I said, "Who wants to receive Christ?" And they all raised their hand. And then all the parents were over here, and the Joshua generation kids did something that amazed me. They chased the parents down. They just went after them. Mom, Dad, did you see what happened to your kid? You need that Jesus too, don't you? Yes, I need. And then we had Bibles for them. Do you want a Bible? We gave away like 80 Bibles just in that one schoolyard. You know, can you, have, can you want a Bible? Yes, I want. And, and, and one guy yesterday, he was complaining to us at Vernon Park down the street, if you know Vernon. And he said, hey, I saw one of, my young pe one of the young people talking to my five-year-old. I said, I'm sorry if you were offended. He goes, so what's the message? <laughs> So, so we told him the message. He received Christ. He said, I want to share. He brought his buddy over. He said, hey, they just pray with me. You need to pray that prayer. Let's go. Come on. Pray that with me. You accept Christ with me. Let's get this wordless book. Let's go out and share it with everybody else. You know, people are wanting the gospel to go. People are hungry for Jesus, but we got to go tell them. The reason people in Philadelphia do not receive Jesus Christ is because nobody's telling them. Do you hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? So drama team, you can come right on the platform. You guys want to see the play? So I was personally going to do the hip-hop. No, I wasn't. No. You do not want to see me do hip-hop. But this is the drama that we do um, in about 25 countries around the world. Over 100,000 have come to Christ through this play. It's called Doors, the Drama of Life. And so they're going to start the music in a second, and I'm going to go down here, and I'm going to explain it to you as it go. but it's a mime. So the closer you watch it, the more you'll understand uh, every detail of the play. So and I think we showed it last year, so I think a lot of you saw it, but you get to see it again. So here you go, Doors, the Drama of Life. Should we move that? I don't know. You guys can see through it, I guess. Go ahead, you can start the music. Boy, 
I don't hear any music. <laughs> Do they have the music? You guys didn't give them the music. <laughs> hey, um, oh, Talon, there you go. Are you up, Talon? <laughs> Sorry about that. So the girl in the front there with her face down, the white face, she represents you and I. She's a seeker. She's looking for the meaning to life, why we're here, why we exist in this world. And so she'll search and she'll seek for the meaning to life. She'll go over to, go ahead, you can go over to these guys right here. These guys represent, and she goes, what is the meaning to life? And they say, drugs and alcohol is the meaning to life. You want to get high, you want to party, you want to have a good time. Everything about life is all about getting high and partying all the time. You want to become a party girl. So she'll try that out. She'll get high, she'll get knocked out, and then we'll see what happens. And then she comes over here to this young lady. And this young lady says, you know what? It's about money, fame, and fortune. The more things you can buy, the more things you can get, the happier you'll be. You want a brand new car, you want a, you want a nice Porsche, you want a nice clothes, you want everything. But once the seeker runs out of money, the material girl doesn't want to have nothing to do with her. Then she comes back to this young man back here, and he is the playboy, the hustler, the man. He says, come on, girl, let's have a good time together. They begin to dance and have a nice time. And then she says, how about we get married? He goes, no, man, I'd rather just make love with you, girl. And so they make love, and then she gets pregnant. She gets an abortion for him. She does everything. And then while she's getting the abortion, the uh, nurse is, he's hustling the nurse. So, so that's bad news. So then she gets more depressed, and she comes, and she just wants to give up. And she goes to the door of suicide. And suicide says, your life is not worth living. You should just end your life. And something like 41,000 Americans committed suicide last year. 17,000 were murdered. 41,000 committed suicide. And so suicide is the number one killer of people. And so then she comes and she just gives up. She says, man, I'm just giving up. And then as she gives up, this man who represents the Lord Jesus Christ and the God the Father, he comes to her. He says, I don't care what you've done. I love you and I forgive you. So if we are ready now, we will play the drama. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the stars above. And he breathed life into mankind.
she chooses to go her own way. She rejects the God who made her, and she goes her own way. She moves on to the Playboy. Let's go, girl.
life is no good, just end your life. Fall into depression, fall into anger. It's not worth living. Take some pills. She surely is tempted. She does everything. But then finally she says, I have a will to live. I want to live. But suicide calls her. And then she breaks away. And now she said, I've tried it all. I just give up. But then Jesus comes. He says, no matter what you've done, I still love you. I still care for you. I still accept you. They hug. But then the sins of her life begin to encompass her. joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.